0: privilege. You are worthy of extravagant celebration. And Father, we just thank you that we have a tremendous hope. We thank you for the future that we have, that one day we will look upon your face and we will dance on the streets that are golden. Father, we thank you for your word that reveals all of these riches, all of these treasures that we have in Christ And as we look into your word now, we pray, Lord, that you would impart riches and glory, impart life to us, Father, minister to us, help us, Lord. We ask for all the grace to be able to receive what you have for us this morning. And we pray that this time would be edifying to the body. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the last two times that I've had the privilege of sharing a message, I mentioned how important it was to know where and how the enemy fights in spiritual warfare so that we can overcome his offense. In Ephesians 6.11, Paul is encouraging us to to stand against the schemes of the evil one. Now, scripture identifies three battlefields in which we would do that. In the first message, which is the battlefield of the mind, we learn that the best defense is a good offense, and how meditating on things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and praiseworthy leaves the enemy with no room for a foothold or a stronghold in our minds. In the second message, which was the battlefield of the church, we learned how a house divided against itself will not stand and that the enemy's plan was to divide the church. And we saw that the way to overcome the enemy in this is to agree with Jesus' prayer in John 17, that we would be one and to pursue a gospel-centered, Christ-exalting unity by loving one another. Well, this week we're going to talk about the third battlefield. And Paul calls it out in Ephesians 6.12. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. You see, the third battlefield is in the heavenly places. In fact, if Ephesians chapter 2, verses 2, calls Satan the prince of the power of the air because this is where much of the warfare takes place. Now, to get a clearer picture of how Ephesians 6.12 works, we look at Daniel chapter 10, verses 10 through 13. Now, Daniel was in the process of mourning, praying, and fasting. And it says, quote, Suddenly a hand touched me which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. And then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand ...and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days for the vision refers to many days yet to come. Now verse 20 to Daniel chapter 11, verse 1, goes on to say, and this is the angel talking, and now I must return and fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. Also in the year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. So what this verse is saying is that there are kings and princes that rule over specific territories on the earth. These are the rulers, the principalities, the spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places that Paul is talking about in Ephesians. Now this reveals a powerful truth and a challenge. The truth is that we see in this account that what happens on earth, what happens on earth already took place. In the heavenlies. Now you see there was a major battle going on here. As a result of Daniel's prayer. The angel was sent immediately as Daniel prayed. But he was detained by the prince of Persia for 21 days. This angel could not break through. Now Michael, this high ranking angel, came To clear the air so that Daniel could be ministered to by this angel. Now this angel in verse 20 says that when he leaves, the prince of Greece is going to come. But in the meantime, he's staying there to strengthen King Darius, who is the king of Persia. Now, once this is all settled in the heavenlies, history unfolds. This angel, with Michael's help, stays there to ensure that King Darius shows kindness to the Jews, to allow them to return to their homeland to rebuild the walls of the temple, I mean, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and rebuild the temple. See, the Jews were still in captivity in this foreign land. So when this happens, the angel has to fight through the prince of Persia and he leaves. Now Michael, this high-ranking angel, stays to make sure that the Jews are free to go back to Judah to rebuild the temple and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. After this happens, Michael pushes off the prince of Persia, and the prince of Greece comes to rule over Persia. Now this then manifests itself on earth when the Jews are released to rebuild the walls. The Jews were released to rebuild the temple. And Alexander the Great leads his army from Greece to conquer Persia. This all happened and was settled in the heavenlies, and then history unfolded. What was established in the heavenlies manifested itself on the earth. And it's as if we pray in the Lord's Prayer on earth as it is in heaven. We see this in other accounts of scripture. In First Kings chapter 22, we see King Ahab, the, the king of Judah, is killed in battle. The account starts with 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 29 and 30. It says, So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. So the king of Israel, he disguises himself, goes into battle. Now, verse 34 goes on to say, Now a certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. Now, Scripture shows us and gives us a picture of what took place in the heavenlies before the battle took place. It says in 1 Kings chapter 22, verses 19-22, through 22, It says, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that manner. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, in what way? So he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. See, here we see discussions and what seems actually to be a meeting to discuss a major political event before it takes place. The results of this meeting is satanic authority, which resulted in 400 demons who indwelt 400 prophets to convince Ahab to go to war and disguise himself, again, on earth as it is in heaven. We see in the book of Job how Satan gained authority over Job's life to totally destroy everything that Job had, including his health. Again, it's on earth as it is in heaven. The most chilling example that I have seen in my life of the battle in the heavenlies was in the school shooting in Columbine High School. The more you look into the testimonies of the students, the more clearly that you could see that there's a war going on between light and darkness. The story of Rachel Scott shared in the movie Unashamed and the story of Cassie Bernal shared in the book She Said Yes reveals the intense warfare going on in the lives of two Christian girls who were shot by Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold. Both were going through very shaky times in their life shaky times in their faith, and you can see an incredible progression and preparation for both of them to stand for Christ with a gun against their head. Their journal journal entries show the struggle and how each overcame their struggle to live boldly for Christ, and their life and death has had a tremendous effect on teens across our country and continues to do so today. What wasn't noticed, however, was the satanic activity that was being planned and was revealed by Eric and Dylan's journals. See, Columbine happened in April of 1999. Their journal entries mentioned plans to hijack passenger airplanes and fly them into Manhattan. You can imagine what was going on in the heavenlies over Littleton, Colorado, and New York City at the same time. We see history unfold, events taking place in our world. We need to know that there's warfare going on right now in the heavenlies before these things are established on earth. In all these accounts, Daniel, Ahab's death, Job's calamity, Columbine, 9-11, we see that God is ultimately responsible for all of it. Nothing happens in heaven or on earth without God's permission But also notice that all that needs to happen for massive tragedy to take place in our world is for God's hand of grace to be pulled back. When God removes his hand, literally all hell breaks loose. And that is done first in the heavenlies, and then it manifests itself on earth. That's the truth that we see in Daniel chapter 10. Now, it also proposes a challenge to us. The challenge that we see in Daniel chapter 10 is that the entire battle in the heavenlies happens because Daniel prayed. Daniel chapter 10 verses 12 says, do not fear Daniel for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. Because of Daniel's prayers, this angel was there to strengthen Darius so the Jews could be brought back to Judah to rebuild the temple and the walls of Jerusalem. Because of Daniel's prayers, Michael came to ensure this and that the prince of Greece would come This is all because Daniel prayed. You see, our prayers have a tremendous effect on the heavenlies. We see the incredible example of this in the book of Revelation. Now, the book of Revelation describes a seven-year period that we call the tribulation. And it it culminates with the victorious return of our Lord Jesus Christ the saints, and the angelic hosts of heaven. This tribulation period is when God is pouring out his wrath upon the earth. It begins with wars, famines, natural disasters, diseases, and deaths. See, these are all things that we experience in our world today, but during the tribulation, it'll be at a much greater level. These sorts of things go on for three and a half years, halfway through the seven-year tribulation period. When we are halfway through the seven years, there's a shift from the tribulation to what we call the great tribulation, which is the remaining three and a half years. That's the great tribulation It's the great tribulation because the wrath of God gets so much more intense. It goes from wars, famines, and diseases, which is what we experience today, to all kinds of cosmic disturbances like meteor showers, stars falling, the sun turning black and the moon turning red, and the sky being rolled up as a scroll. It's the great tribulation Because it's so much more intense and it begins right at the midpoint of the seven year period. The question is why the shift? What happened here? What happened to bring this awful tribulation to a great tribulation? The answer is it's the fifth seal. Revelation 6 9 through 10 says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? What marks the transition from the tribulation to the great tribulation is the prayers of the martyrs. See, God used human activity to accomplish his purpose for the first three and a half years. But now God begins direct intervention resulting from the prayers of the martyrs. Our prayers have a tremendous impact on what happens in the heavenlies. Have you ever wondered... Why does God make it that way? Why does God do this like this? Why does he see our prayers as important even to be used to unfold human history? Well, the answer is the Lord desires fellowship. You see, fellowship is a very intimate word in scripture. It's a dynamic where everything Is shared. Since the very beginning, God created us that we might enjoy Him and glorify Him by making a big deal about what we enjoy about Him. He created us for fellowship. God wants to be with us and have us with Him. And we see God's passion for fellowship all throughout Scripture from the development of the tabernacle when they traveled through the wilderness to the building of the temple to the coming of Jesus Christ as Emmanuel and we see it in the cross. Jesus came and died to remove all the barriers of having an intimate love relationship with him. 2 Corinthians 5:21 says For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This really uh, just captures my mind how Jesus Christ just didn't take or shoulder our sin. He became it. It was his short-term identity. Jesus became our sin on the cross and when his body was broken and crushed, so was our sin. So when we come to Christ, we give him our sin and he gives us his righteousness and makes it as if we never sinned. Because we've been washed by the blood of Jesus, we now have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. So now, it's not God with us, it's God in us. And what he desires is for us to have fellowship with him. And in that, God shares everything with us. God shares his life with us. He makes us co-heirs with Christ, which means we share heaven and we share earth with God. The glory of God is shared with us. His throne is shared with us. One day we will be seated on his throne with him. And one important part of this fellowship is that God shares his work with us. Amos 3.7 says, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. God involves us in his work so that we can have fellowship together. We share in the life of God, and that invites us into a deeper relationship with him. You know, an example of this is years ago, I wanted to build a shed in our yard, and Chloe and Joshua, they were so young, they could barely hold a two-by-four in place. But they were involved in every step. And, you know, there were times that I thought, you know, I could probably get this done faster if I just did this myself. You know, but that wasn't the goal. That wasn't the goal. The reason is that we could share in each other's lives and that our relationship would grow and deepen. And then at the end, we could stand back and say, Look what we built together. We did this together. Now, when God wants to accomplish something in this world, he will invite his people to participate because even though he could do it himself, he wants fellowship with us. That's the goal. Our love relationship with God is the most important thing. The greatest commandment for us is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And God wants that love to continue to deepen, to flourish, and to prosper. And it's really for our own good. It's not for him, it's for us. Anytime our heart's affection goes to something lesser, we are missing out on true life. So it's for our own life and joy that we need to cherish, value, and treasure our love relationship with God and to protect it jealously. To go on further, Henry Blackaby in his book, Experiencing God, says, quote, "...your relationship to God is the single most important aspect of your life. If that's not right, nothing else is important." To be loved by God is the highest relationship, the highest achievement, and the highest position in life. And the scripture leads us to understanding that God is saying, I want you to love me above everything else. And When you are in a relationship of love with me, you have everything there is. You see, fellowship, relationship, is why God calls us to pray and get involved. This is the reason. This is the reason why that angel was detained for 21 days. Now, it's very interesting to watch this. The moment Daniel prays, the the, uh, angel, or God hears, and the angel is sent, as soon as Daniel prays, 21 days later, later, Daniel sees an answer to that prayer. The question is, why 21 days? Couldn't God have sent the uh, the, uh, archangel Michael with, with this angel immediately to answer Daniel's prayer? Couldn't he have sent him immediately? The answer is yes. But God was wanting to do a work in Daniel. You see, referring to that time of waiting and prayer, Henry Blackaby says, Learn patience. Depend on God's timing. His timing is always right and best. He may be withholding answers to cause you to seek him more intently. God is more interested in a love relationship with you than he is in what you can do for him. See, that time of unanswered prayer can be God preparing us for a deeper knowledge of himself. We see a great example of this in the death of Lazarus. You see, when Lazarus was sick, Mary and Martha sent someone to tell Jesus so that Jesus could come and heal Lazarus. But Jesus didn't go. In fact, he waited until Lazarus died and was buried for three days. Now when Jesus arrived, Mary and Martha were so upset. They told him, if you would have come earlier, you could have healed him. You could have prevented this. Jesus, in essence, was telling Mary and Martha, my silence is not rejection or lack of love or care. It was an opportunity for me to show you more of who I am. I could have healed him because you know that I heal people. I'm a healer, but I want to show you more. See, when he called Lazarus out of the grave, Mary and Martha not only knew Jesus as healer, but now they know him as the resurrection And the life. See, when that silence comes, watch and wait for a new encounter with God. And we can respond in silence with an expectation that God is about to bring us to a deeper knowledge of Himself. And that's exactly what happened for Daniel here. See, Daniel was in a very dangerous position. This empire that Daniel was actually working in was the richest and wealthiest empire ever. Daniel could have easily been swept away by the riches and the luxuries of that culture. He knew this so well that he willingly adopted a special diet to refrain from getting filled and satisfied by the worldly delicacies He had his own way to try to deal with that. But God in his mercy gave him more. Those 21 days of waiting was a time for Daniel to align his heart with God's. God was drawing Daniel deeper in his dependency and deeper in his passion for God. That's the goal, the love relationship. God was preparing Daniel to receive a fresh new encounter with God. Amos 3, chapter 3, chapter three verse 3 says, In regards to fellowship, can two walk together unless they are agreed? See, God was conditioning Daniel's heart to receive the answers he was praying for. And we know this to be true. Because in Daniel 10, verses 2 through 3, it says, quote, in those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all, till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now don't miss this. Three full weeks, that's 21 days. 21 days this angel was detained because God was doing a work in Daniel. At at that point, Daniel had an amazing encounter with the Lord. See, we all have things that we've been asking the Lord for. We all think, wow, my prayers are going unanswered. God's biggest concern for us is that love relationship with him. He may be calling us to seek him more intently, to feel his heart and his desire for what we're praying about and to prepare us for a greater knowledge of himself. So we see in this account in Daniel 10 that there is warfare in the heavenlies and God is calling us to participate in it. And that participation is going to deepen our love relationship with him. It's a war that God is in control of But again, he's using this to deepen the relationship that he has with his people. And it's through prayer that the Lord will use us to overcome the enemy and advance God's plan and purposes in the world. Now, to engage the enemy in this battlefield, we have to prepare for it by getting the most important thing right. And that's our love relationship. How is your love relationship with God? Is it growing? Is it deepening? Henry Blackaby wrote, quote, If your love relationship with God is not right, nothing in your life will be right. What this does is it gives us sensitive eyes to see and a heart to respond to what you do see. You know, a great example of this is uh, Bob Pierce. He was a missionary to Korea right after the war. Now, when he saw the living conditions of the children because of the war, he prayed a prayer that changed a lot of things. He prayed, let my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. Now, that prayer led to the creation of both world vision and the Samaritan's Purse. When we have close fellowship with the Lord, we walk with him in agreement and then we realize that we're his temple. We are his house and his house shall be a house of prayer. What this means is that we're strategically placed to see what we're seeing and to pray for the darkness to be pushed back, and for God to minister Jesus in all the areas that we find ourselves in. This is what makes prayer walking so valuable. Prayer walking is simply praying on site with insight. You know, twice, twice a year, the youth group chooses prayer walking as one of our community service projects. In terms of warfare, it's the way for the church to gain air superiority in the warfare that's going right on in our own community. We pick key areas of our town, like the high schools, the police department, the town hall, the hospital, parks, train station, key places of business, and we pray God's word over these areas. And this is a proactive approach. We can't wait for a school shooting to take place in our schools to start praying for our schools. It's too late. The battle's already done in the heavenlies. We pray God to protect our kids, to push back the darkness and let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. We battle for truth to be taught, honesty and morality in the businesses, Healing to be administered in the hospitals, harmony amongst our youth in the parks, all in Jesus' name. In 1998, churches got together once a month to prayer walk all through Port Jervis. Every street was prayed for, it was all mapped out and covered. And we've seen amazing answers in that year to our prayers. Outreaches opened up in the youth community center. Churches were holding block parties in in different parks. Bars that were well known for fights and brawls were closed. A store promoting new age activity and witchcraft was also shut down. The crime rate that year decreased by 33%. Our town was starting to look a bit different. Darkness was being pushed back. You know, another example is our youth group has done a litter pickup at Riverside Park for about 25 years now. Every year in the spring, we go through the park and and do a litter pickup. And as we're there, we're praying through that park. In recent years, we've, we've seen churches hold vacation Bible schools in that park. Outreaches to children have taken place there. Inter-church worship events have taken place there. The National Night Out Against Crime uh, takes place there. Of all the parks in Port Jervis, none other has seen so much kingdom activity than Riverside Park. 25 years of prayer pushing back the darkness, we've seen the kingdom of God manifested there. At the end of each prayer walk, I encourage the kids, keep going. You don't have to be in a group setting to be prayer walking. Bring prayer into your schools. When you hear sirens going through your community, pray for those ministers that that emergency is being used for God's good and glory. Pray for people, places, and circumstances that you see as you drive through town, as you go to work as you shop the more you do this the more your heart will be growing in desiring to see God's kingdom manifested and the more you'll see God's work in ways you've never seen it before we will mourn like David or like Daniel did we'll mourn like Daniel did but we will be involved in God's plan as history unfolds What is going on in the heavenlies right now over our country? What is going on in the heavenlies over Port Jervis? What's going on in the heavenlies over our church and over our homes? The Lord will use the enemy. He'll use the evil. He'll use the darkness to teach us how to fight and how to grow in our desire to see the kingdom of God manifested See, the Lord said to Israel in Judges chapter 2, verses 21. This is after they've gotten into the promised land. The Lord said, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, so that through them I may test Israel, whether they will keep the ways of the Lord, to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. It goes on in 3, chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Now these are the nations which the Lord left, that he might test Israel by them. That is, all who had not known any of the wars of Canaan. This was only so that the generations of the children of Israel might be taught to know war, at least those who had not formally known it. See, the Lord left adversity. He left evil in the promised land to teach Israel how to fight, how to know warfare. In the same way, God has placed us in a world of adversity that we might know war, that we might know how to fight. And scriptures made it clear that that warfare is on three battlefields it's in the mind, it's in the church and it's in the heavenly places. Each of us, regardless of our status or position, we have a key role to play and to stand against the enemy of our day. For the scripture says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the principalities, against the powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of wickedness, In the heavenly places. Let's pray. Father, I pray.